Chapter Twenty Two of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two: An Evening of Decisions. Marjorie started nervously. It seems late for the bell to ring, she said. How late is it? The clock struck eleven not long ago. As Mr. Maxwell spoke, he drew a match from his pocket and lighted the hall gas. Then he stepped forward to the door, Marjorie waiting under the gaslight to learn what could be wanted. She remembered for a long time just what a strange sensation it gave her when the locked and bolted door was finally unfastened and thrown open, revealing Ralph Bramlett. He uttered a single exclamation, which might have expressed only surprise. She could not afterwards recall what it was. As for her, her surprise was so great that she stood quite still and waited. But his errand was prosaic enough. He had reached home a short time before to find his mother quite ill and needing a woman's care, and his sister was out of town. Could Mrs. Edmonds give him the address of Nurse Crawford, who used to be in their family, and of whom they had lost sight? His mother thought that Mrs. Edmonds would know just where to find her yes said marjorie coming out of her bewilderment and speaking quickly mamma will know about her she was here only a few days ago i will ask mamma and she sped up the stairs come in said mr maxwell hospitably will you have a seat while you wait mrs edmonds has retired i believe there may be a few minutes delay i hope your mother is not seriously ill but he need not have tried to be sociable. The young man was in no mood for sociability. His attempt at reply was hardly civil, and Mr. Maxwell, feeling that words from him were evidently not wanted, stood silently by until Marjorie was seen coming downstairs. Then he went back to the library, closing the door after him. He need not have done so. Ralph Bramlett had no civil words even for Marjorie just then in her heart was a kind grave sympathy for him it seemed as though he must have heard it in her voice mamma says that nurse crawford is at the corner of bond and adams streets that boarding-house you know she is not engaged anywhere and will be sure to go with you oh ralph i hope your mother is not very ill mamma wants to know if she can be of any assistance she would be glad to come at once if she may mr maxwell will take her over there i am sure no said ralph sharply she will not be wanted mother is not alarmingly ill she simply needs care i am sorry to have had to trouble you i did not think of anybody else who would be likely to know about nurse crawford then he had turned and left her standing in the doorway when he reached the first corner he looked back and marjorie had disappeared mr maxwell stood in the doorway alone he muttered something again not complimentary to that gentleman and dashed around the corner at full speed marjorie went slowly back upstairs mr maxwell having assured her that he would make all fastenings secure for a few weeks past she had occasionally occupied herself with surmisings as to when they would meet face to face she and ralph and be compelled to speak to each other of course the time would come they could not go on in this way through the years nor through the winter 
even in church they might meet occasionally though the bramlet pew was on the other side of the church from them and for weeks they had successfully avoided each other for that matter ralph had not been very regular in his attendance at church but of course there must come a change how would it come how would he treat her did he mean not to know her any more in that note he had called her miss edmonds must she say mr bramlett could she train her lips to form those words she had called him so in jest sometimes when they were young together how long ago it seemed she had tried various titles to see which would sound the best dr bramlett judge bramlett and the like always returning to that word judge and assuring him that that was the one which fitted his name and face she thought she might in time learn to call him that it did not sound so utterly strange as mr bramlett now they had met once more but what a strange meeting oh ralph she had said without thinking under the fear that his mother was seriously ill but he had repulsed her he would not have even her sympathy he had called her nothing but had rushed away as rapidly as he could seeming to be almost angry with her it was very strange she had now no feeling of anger in her heart toward him she could almost have said to him oh ralph don't treat me so let us be friends if you cannot care for me any more never mind if you like estelle instead of me why you cannot help that i forgive you but let us be friends no she would not have said those words of course because he might have misunderstood them but she could feel them mrs edmonds's door opened as her daughter came up the stairs she was hastily dressing what does he say marjorie does he want me to come no mamma he said there was no need he does not think his mother is seriously ill but she needs care and hannah is away he went at once for nurse crawford she is at home i saw her to-night as we passed so it will be all right what a pity it is that i disturbed you if i had only thought a moment i might have told him where to find nurse crawford without coming to you daughter i do not understand did you answer the bell and have you been up all this time how came you to go down dear alone i do not like to have you answering bells at this time of night i did not mother mr maxwell was in the back parlor studying those old books and he went to the door i was downstairs too so i saw ralph as soon as the door was opened was that sufficient explanation her mother regarded her curiously somewhat anxiously were there always to be secrets between her daughter and herself the communicating door was still closed she had noticed it with a sigh when she dropped asleep after waiting long it seemed to her the anxious look in her eyes went to marjorie's heart she wanted to be very tender of her mother it is not late motherie she said using the pet name which the mother had not heard for several weeks it could not have been much after ten when i went downstairs i was in search of an old book of ours hoping that it would give me some help in a line where i greatly needed it but i found mr maxwell among the books and he gave me just the help i was searching for 
mothery i wanted to know how to give myself away forever into the keeping of jesus christ and he told me how that will make you glad will it not will marjorie ever have sweeter kisses than those with which her mother covered cheeks and lips will her head be ever drawn to a tenderer human resting-place than the mother's breast afforded glad mrs edmonds quiet reserved woman that she was could have shouted for joy she knew it meant so much this surrender of her daughters by nature timid and shrinking she had by turns admired and stood appalled before the indomitable energy and persistence of her child and wondered whereunto such power would lead her but now that she had accepted a leader the mother could feel how surely she would follow him and of what value her strength of will would be in his service then at last marjorie turned the key in her own door and was alone once more on this eventful night she went and stood before her dressing bureau and looked at herself deliberately in the mirror had any outward change taken place in her appearance of course there had not and she smiled at her childishness but a strange restfulness had certainly come into her heart she felt as though her feet rested at last on firm ground she realized that a matter of infinite importance had been settled since she last stood there whatever came to her in the near or distant future nothing could unsettle the security of her present foothold life had taken on a new and solemn meaning it was serious business it was true to live but it was also dignified business worthy of an immortal soul's best efforts hitherto she had played at life now she would begin to live in earnest it was not until the gas had been turned out for the night and the communicating door had been set wide open and marjorie's head was resting on her pillow that she remembered that her handkerchief was still in mr maxwell's possession it would perhaps be hard to imagine a greater contrast than ralph bramlett's new year's evening presented to this one of marjorie's it will be remembered that he was a man of moods and the great barometer in the office where he toiled could not have indicated changes of temperature more rapidly than his mental moods changed front very recently he had determined within himself that it was high time to end this farce he had punished marjorie and for that matter himself too quite enough probably the reason why she did not write to him as he had fully expected her to do was because her immaculate mother did not approve of it he would call upon her formally enough as he might on any passing acquaintance but her way of receiving the call should guide him as to his next step in his secret heart he believed that there would be no difficulty about that next step there were moments when he felt quite certain that marjorie's reception of his advances would be all that he could desire then he heard that the edmonds home would depart from its time-honored custom and not open its doors to new year's callers for a few minutes he was annoyed in the next few he had decided that this was so much in his favor he was not supposed to know that the house was not open as usual he would ring their bell and if the little maid who was in the habit of serving them on special days responded 
he would tell her that he was too old a friend to stand on ceremony and bid her take his card to miss marjorie this he told himself would be a stroke of genius if marjorie once got his card in her possession he felt sure of the rest and they would not be annoyed by callers if mrs edmonds should answer the bell herself he would be as dignified as she could possibly be but he would inform her that he wished to see miss marjorie on important business she will hardly deny me the house he said waxing indignant over her possible coldness it will have to be admitted in passing that he also prepared for another possibility by muttering to himself that if that puppy of a maxwell came to the door he would kick him down the steps to one of ralph bramlett's temperament having carried out his intentions mentally to such perfection even having arranged a programme of the conversation according to his favourite method imagine what it was to have his plans completely overturned by seeing marjorie drive gaily by not only seated beside mr maxwell but actually driving his handsome horses for him it was characteristic of the type of young men to which he belonged that he took jealous thought even then to the fact that the horses were finer than any which he had to drive after that imagine the torture which he must have endured for the next hour in listening to estelle douglas's eager information having first committed himself before her in a way which he could not but feel would make his future with marjorie more difficult still having returned estelle to her place in the McAllister parlors this much-abused man gave himself up to gloom for the next few hours evolving only this out of the chaos of his thoughts that he would find out if possible just how far marjorie's intimacy with her mother's lodger had progressed the person who could tell him a great deal he was convinced was estelle douglas with this thought in view he called upon her as early in the evening as he could hope to find her at home and very soon began what he thought was a skilful method of questioning to secure all the information which she possessed unfortunately for his peace of mind estelle believed that she possessed a great deal glyde's innocent remarks concerning mr maxwell's reading aloud in the edmonds parlor her accounts of their plans for new year's day and above all the eager story which she had to tell that evening had furnished her far-seeing sister with much material in truth her translation of certain remarks of marjorie's and of mr maxwell's would not have been recognized by themselves not that estelle meant to falsify or had an idea that she was really doing so she possessed a vivid imagination and wanted to believe in the theory which she had built up out of her meagre facts she was successful to the degree that she convinced ralph bramlett that marjorie had been what he chose to call playing a part with him he jumped immediately to the wildest conclusions made himself believe that even at the time she had written that last note to him she was receiving mr maxwell's special attentions nay it was entirely possible that there had been an understanding between them on that very night in which she had walked away from the schuyler farm in a supposed burst of indignation was it probable that she would have started off on a seven miles walk at that time of night if she had not been reasonably sure of being met and taken care of 
it astonished and disgusted him that he had not thought of this before it was all very plain now he told himself from first to last he had been made a fool of marjorie had pretended to be devoted to him at the very time when she was using him as a foil the better to show off her perfections to mr maxwell how he could have concocted such an absurd theory as that out of any material with which he had to build cannot be explained by any laws based on reason and common sense it must simply be remembered that he was a man of extremes that he paid when he was in a certain humour the least possible attention to the dictates of common sense and that the whim of the passing moment governed him to an alarming degree left to himself he might have concluded by the next day that he had been unnecessarily hasty and that marjorie had been simply treating mr maxwell as he had estelle douglas entertaining herself during the period of coldness between them in the course of the next thirty-six hours he would almost certainly have gotten back to his complacent frame of mind and been ready to plan again for that interrupted call but he was not left to himself estelle took care to plan that she should not be interrupted by other callers and as her sister fanny was not at home she and ralph had the evening together so you think they are really engaged he tried to ask the question carelessly interrupting some remark of hers to do it why i think they must be of course how else is such exceeding familiarity to be accounted for to judge from glyde's reports they have gotten so far that they put all ceremony aside and treat each other like people who have had an understanding for ever so long it isn't like marjorie you know unless there is an engagement i always thought her a very reticent person oh i wouldn't have had such an idea if you had not told me this afternoon that there was nothing whatever between you and her and had never been save a boy and girl friendship i confess that i have not understood it and that i have been distressed both for marjorie and for you but the moment you told me that and i realized that you and she had simply been like brother and sister all these years it threw a new light upon everything i hope it will be all right with marjorie he seems very much of a stranger they really do not know anything about him of course except what he says of himself but he is wealthy i have heard and marjorie likes money at least she likes the luxuries which money will produce and she is fond of position too he is an author you know and a college professor besides one who has been given a year's vacation to enable him to complete the preparation of some stupid book textbook i think it must be a dreadful bore to have to do all the time with such an extremely literary man but i presume that is what fascinated marjorie at first she is a little bit inclined to be aristocratic in her tastes i have always known that mrs edmonds is not wealthy it is true but she belongs to a very old family and marjorie was always disposed i think to look down a little on people who had to earn their living in ways which did not happen to suit her taste ralph was turning over piles of music while estelle was saying this supposed to be hunting for a song which she had asked him to sing with her he bent lower over the music rack in the hope that she might not see the dark flush which overspread his face at those words 
he felt that he understood her only too well what could she mean but that marjorie had looked down upon him because he was earning his living as a bookkeeper instead of being a law student as he knew she had wished him to be well let her go after all these years of intimacy with him if she had been fascinated by a stranger because he could write books and had a title or two after his name she was not worthy of an honest man's love he would have nothing more to do with her he found the music at last and they sang the song estelle remarking cheerfully at its close our voices sound well together i think what a pity we haven't an audience suppose we were to go around giving parlor concerts we might make a good deal of money we would look very well together too we are of about the right size we could take glide along to play the accompaniments wouldn't that be an original way to raise funds she laughed gaily as she spoke and was talking the merest nonsense of course but ralph replied gravely we would look reasonably well together perhaps under any circumstances i do not know but you and i are fairly well suited to each other how would it do to enter into partnership on other lines than concert giving he spoke under impulse of course when did this young man speak in any other way he hardly realized the import of what he was saying the strongest feeling of which he was conscious at that moment was a desire to show marjorie edmonds in some way that he was by no means broken-hearted over her nor did he lack for intimate companionship because she had played him false he was possibly unprepared for the deep womanly flush on estelle's face and the light in her eyes he was certainly unprepared for the warmth of her reply he went home very early that evening much earlier than estelle thought desirable and he told himself moodily as he walked away that he had gotten himself into trouble now why had he been such an idiot as to speak out his passing thoughts at home he had found the state of affairs which has been explained and had hurried back to town glad of any excuse which would oblige him to call at the edmonds home on the way he speculated as to what might result from this call suppose he should happen to see marjorie he could hardly ask for her at so late an hour but she might be there and they might have a few minutes talk together and a very few minutes might perhaps right all wrongs yes he forgot estelle douglas entirely and the words he had spoken to her that mood had passed he was in a reverent one now and called his mother's illness a special interposition of providence in his behalf when he rang the bell he had planned the words which he would speak to marjorie feeling sure that he would see her would not providence take care of that and he had seen her standing there under the gas jet with a strange light on her face such as he by no means understood the language of the country whence it was born was utterly unfamiliar to him of course he misunderstood the situation of course marjorie and mr maxwell had been spending the evening together and were taking leave of each other probably when he interrupted them it was her feeling for him which could put such a light into the girl's eyes the thought made him angry so bitterly angry that he could hardly treat her with the outward courtesy which decency demanded 
as he rushed away into the night he thought again of estelle and told himself that it was just as well that he had spoken to her as he did she cared for him at least and it was more than marjorie had ever done there wasn't any such thing as real disinterested love in the world he had proved it end of chapter twenty two